Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is Force Center, a show about Star Wars, pop culture, and the ultimate adventure, life itself. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Ken Napsock. And I'm Jennifer Landa. And in total honesty, uh, I just 
or right before we started. So if my voice sounds weird, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> sounds weird or smells weird? Well, so hopefully, hopefully there aren't smells on YouTube. I don't <laughs> want that. I do. oh Nobody wants that. The ultimate adventure, life itself. Anyway, this is one of our questions of the everything. If you want to ask about my you know, gastrointestinal system, you can do that later. That's just fine. Uh, this is a show where we tackle questions about Star Wars, pop culture, and really anything that people want to ask. We collect questions from our patrons on Patreon. Thank you for all the great questions. Uh, we got a lot still to get to. But we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We are continuing to recommend a book that apparently really does not need our help right now. It is Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. It is a great story of uh, of uh, vengeance and love and Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress uh, that people are really excited about. Uh, we, we love this book and we would love for you to check it out on us. If you can check it out anyway getting it through this really does actually help us. You can download that free Dark Disciple audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audio book. Ken, we also have an ask. We do. We are asking you to consider supporting us over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Force Center is the spot. Uh, We're uh, perhaps unlocking some new stuff, and you can make that possible. We're trying to set the goal of 400 paid memberships. That's right. Patreon's a little different now. There's like free. I got a few free uh, memberships on my uh, personal Patreon page the other day, and I didn't know what to do with that, but they're there. Uh, But uh, paid members, we're trying to get to 400 at the time of recording. We're at about 391. Uh, so help us reach the goal. When we do, we're going to unlock Star Wars movie commentaries and then the, just commentaries and things. There's a lot of things uh, we can do with this new system that got going on Patreon. But uh, you can head over there and support us at patreon.com slash center. That's right. And when we uh, make it to that goal, uh, we're going to actually have you vote on what movie we should do the commentary on. So the, yeah. the future is wide open. Uh, but what we do know is we're going to take some questions. Uh, starting with Ben Shug. Ben says... What has been the most successful animation to live action transition of any kind across all of Star Wars from Boba Fett in the holiday special all the way to Ahsoka, be it a character, planet, ship, the Darksaber, or something else? This is a really fun question. We just uh, this week did our big look at the uh, the future of animation and why we love Star Wars animation. And this is one of the things that's been exciting about it is so many ideas and people and things jumping from animation into live action. Jennifer, was was this question, did you have an answer right away or did you have to rack your brain? I go in so many different directions because Mm. first I go Cad Bane. That was, Mm. I thought, a very successful for me personally uh, Mm. transition to live action. But uh, Ben presents Ahsoka, which yes, that is true. Boba Fett, which I actually, for me, is my answer. (laughs) Going all the way back from the Star Wars holiday special to see this character (laughs) become what it became and what I now, now I love Boba Fett, but I mean, and not that I I never saw the holiday special when it first aired. Um, But yeah, seeing that character make that transition all the way back from then to now, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, it, Boba Fett is, is hard to argue with. I can see somebody making the argument that, well, they were already developing the suit, so was he reverse engineered? Did he exist in, mm. in the real world and parades and photos before the animation? But right. from the audience's perspective, yeah, you you saw 
this weird, creepy guy riding a lizard <laughs> with a thing we now call a pulse rifle. But um, and then he and then he's this mysterious figure you can send away for on your Kenner toys. And then he explodes into live action in Empire Strikes Back. It's, 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 uh, he, he's the OG from going to animation to live action. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Ken, did you wrestle with this or was this uh, one where you feel like you had an answer right away? <laughs> Uh, I did have an answer right away. Then I wrote down, well, crap, the answer is Boba Fett from a certain point of view. <laughs> it's kind of, you could also argue the character that transitions from a parade march to live action as well. <laughs> uh, and I, I think you're right, to, Justin, to point out the wonderful history of the character and, and when he was developed and showed up. But yeah, from the perspective of that weird thing on CBS to to where we get him in Empire Strikes Back, that that's probably the best I- example. But what I love is how that continues to grow. Uh, and in many ways, you could say he's um, made di- many different kind of jumps from mm-hmm. canon or fan fiction theories of what happened to where we are now. So I'll put that one on the shelf, though. Um, I then was going to ge- be kind of cute. And I was like, well, Chopper. Chopper's the answer. Uh, but I'm going to pull back and I'd love to celebrate and talk about Chopper. Uh, and I'm just talking about his Rogue One appearance, right? No, um, mm-hmm. I, I really do. I, I, I think it's Ahsoka. I think it's Ahsoka. Mm. Wow. Because of where we are right now with the character, where the anticipation for the character coming to live action was, and even some of, uh, you know, the controversies, whether it's, you know, the size of her head tails to the choice of the actor uh, with some real world things that popped up. Obviously, we could discuss if we want to, but also just the oh, not Ashley of it all. It, it, it's the character has survived that stuff for the most part. Doesn't mean we can't still can't talk about some of the issues there. But uh, and, and and to this success of the series uh, and, and where we're at with it and and going back to 2008. We just did that animation episode, but going back to uh, Lil, Lil Soka, Lil Snips showing up. And the hate, the vitriol, or just sometimes the confusion. Anakin didn't have a Padawan to where she is now. I, I, I think it's a Hall of Fame transition from from animation live action. Right, because when we're talking about things like you know the dark saber, or even uh, hey, technically, uh, uh, you know, Mortis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, if yeah. you think Anakin was in Mortis, uh, or the world between worlds, whatever you think that space is. Uh, a lot of a lot of our conversation about this is design based, right? Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about, Ken, and maybe what what Ben means in his question is the absolute spirit of the character mm-hmm. in a character that we met in animation as a young woman with uh, very alien features, not meant <laughs> to move around in live action. Shakti looked yeah. great and stood around, stood around, um, kneeled, and. <laughs> The, the entire transition from her, not just aesthetically, but as one of the leading characters of Star Wars right now, one of the mm-hmm. faces of Star Wars. You're responding to like the the hugeness of the not just the design challenge, but of the character's prominence in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's where I took this question of, of uh, just uh, that full what that means to, to to transition from those two mediums and 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 struggles with it and and the passion behind it you know Ahsoka is a character outside of just the animation side of it obviously grew and grew and grew to where there's an entire dare I say uh, uh, her universe around the character uh, <laughs> and and it was yeah to, to push through that to where we are right now it doesn't mean it's perfect it doesn't mean it's not detracted it doesn't mean it's not things to discuss 
I, I get that, but but uh, I'm blown away by that. And even though I, I have admitted that the series didn't hit me as much as it did other folks, I still pull back and just go. This, there was a couple times watching the series, I was like, "This is crazy!" In, in the best best mm-hmm. way possible. Mm-hmm. That yeah. I'm watching Hayden Christensen with with kind of the Matt Lanter approach, but Hayden making it very much his own. I think it's his best performance. Sitting there in the world between worlds, was like, "There's some some of the stuff." Where I was like, "I can't believe this is happening." Yeah. yeah. Jennifer, how do you feel about Ahsoka? Is she a contender for you? I really, yeah. I would actually go more towards uh, Ezra, who I was like, how are they going to... How are they going to pull this one off? Mm-hmm. Oh, that mm-hmm. that was a really, really great performance uh, by Im- Iman Isfandi. Mm-hmm. Really, really great because it's such a loved character. Bo-Katan is also another tricky one. Obviously, you have Katie Sackhoff, who portrayed her, her uh, in the animated series, as well as live action. And initially when she appeared, I felt like it wasn't quite – I don't know. I was like, hmm. But then she really found her groove of keeping what she did with her voice performance with the live action. And I just loved that character. Every time she was on screen, I'm like, I can't believe this. This is really Bo-Katan. <laughs> I love Katie Sackhoff so much. So it felt like such a, a triumph and such a, a difficult thing to pull off. And she did it so well. Yeah. The the transition of acting style is really an interesting element of the, yeah. the transition when it, when it gets to be the same actor, like with Bo-Katan. Because it is different styles of acting. It really, really is. And she she nailed it because she's an amazing yeah. actor. Yeah. How do you – Ken, do, do you estimate the success of a transition uh, based on how, honestly, like, difficult it is? Like, Bo-Katan is pretty fascinating because, obviously, she's very stylized in Clone Wars. No human – we would all – we would all immediately perish if our bodies were forced into the Clone Wars shapes. That's a, It's a stylistic <laughs> exaggeration. But it's the same actor, mm-hmm. and they're, it, it, it's it's one of the closest just to, like, there's not that much to change other than the normal human proportions that must mm-hmm. be changed. Mm-hmm. I don't, whereas Cad Bane's like, okay, we, we need to make more visual differences uh, mm-hmm. to the character. Are you more impressed by somebody like Bo-Katan, who, in my opinion, is much closer to what is in animation, to or to Cad Bane, where, like, character kind of does need to be reinterpreted i i i think my instinct is to go to like the cad bane route which is like wow you know that 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 was going to be impressive uh, feat and they got there and i I love it in small hat and all i i will note that uh and, and jen you kind of touched on it like even you know without a doubt bo katan was designed to be katie sackoff cast katie sackoff this was coming post Battlestar Galactica. Uh, uh, so it was cool to have Starbuck and Star Wars. Like Dave, without a doubt, in the team, like it was meant for this. And so it is easier. But season two, her appearance, like it, it, it was a bit of a weird stumble for me. Like it didn't immediately connect to work. Didn't have the wig right. Like there was, and, and she herself was. I think Katie was doing wonderful stuff, but it was like. But season three, and that's how that's how I analyze things. <laughs> And then season three, I thought it was pitch perfect. So it's harder than you'd think. But to your point of just like like the Cad Bane of it all coming from Clone Wars, uh, where you can have that like you get so used to that look, right? Mm-hmm. And and here comes you know Lee Van Cleef on screen in Star Wars. Th- 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 that's not easy. That's not easy. And they did it. And they did that. So I I I'll, I think in the end I'll push towards that. 
Yeah, I, I think for me, Cad Bane is up there because this is about uh, adaptation. Animation mm-hmm. is exaggeration, and then live action is a different kind of exaggeration. Um, but did they transfer the essence of the character? Was anything lost in the new interpretation? Mm-hmm. And the most important thing to me is live action Cad Bane is nightmare fuel. He's mm-hmm. terrifying. And the, the, it's, it's the voice, but it's, it is also just like the ferocity of him, like that sort of like that very still but very just vengeful and no remorse um and and that's like the character that did get successfully translated to me from mm. the animation so to me it's just like are his eyes too big or his eyes too small is the, the shade of blue right is the voice like a little bit different like mm-hmm. that stuff is like that's interesting to me because it's interpretation what i care about is the, did the soul of the character come with them yeah. so i feel like it's the exact same character it, Jennifer, what were what were your Cad Bane feelings? Did you feel like, yep, that's the guy I know from animation? Or were you like, who's this weirdo? <laughs> no, I, that's exactly what I thought. And I was surprised to see some of the criticism because to me, it, it was just Cad Bane in live action. Mm-hmm. I, I know no, nothing about it. But, but then everyone's like, oh, this and that. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I, I don't care about that. I just want like the essence of the character. Um, and it's really tricky to pull that off. I actually, with the Purgles, I was, a, I still am not hundred percent sure how I feel about the Purgles. I really liked what they did with the Purgles in the Mandalorian. We just see the shadows of them. I thought that was really, really smart. Then when we finally see them in live action, I think some shots really worked for me and Mm. other shots didn't quite work for me. I don't know. Mm. I'm still torn on the purgles. I just, I like that they went for it though. That Mm. I will say. I I always want them to go for it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think for me, like, uh, the chopper is pretty... (laughs) flawless like when you're like hey you <laughs> it's pretty flawless yeah. look it, that's a that's an exaggeration like no i guess it's not i guess that's <laughs> yeah the characters like droids were like you know you don't have to worry about well uh we can't make bo katan look like that because there's no space for her liver and the in bo katan's yeah. a human being right yeah uh yeah. but uh, chopper you can be like yeah no that's uh that's that's exactly that's it chop. <laughs> yeah that's chopper he's up there um the uh, this is painful but, you know, uh, Terrace Ube makes a pretty successful leap because he doesn't need to move around. He's just frozen as a That's sad, frozen corpse. So he can pretty true. much just be nailed it, uh, which mm-hmm. is very sad. Pain. Painful. Pain. Painful. Very painful. I really, I really liked Hera. I, I know mm. that there was a lot of discussion about the shade of green, the makeup, the uh, everything, right? I really thought, and that was a credit to Mary Elizabeth Weinstein's uh, performance, which mm-hmm. I thought she nailed it. I never once was distracted by the way that she looked. And that with something where with an actor like that, I think that's really important, you know, mm-hmm. to not get hung up on the, the way that they look, their physical appearance. I just was so engrossed with her performance. Yeah. I mean, I, in some ways, I, you know, I almost want to vote for Hera or Ahsoka because I do think the spirit of the character translated. Yeah. And, you know, because the characters were so beloved in animation, they could make the leap to live action and they would not have otherwise been in live action. And it just naturally pushes the boundaries of Star Wars of I, I think to really invest in Star Wars, you have to be like, this is huge exaggeration this is absurd in, in in its in its dna this is han solo flying around with his dog you know mm-hmm. uh, but we emotionally invest in it and is you know actors who have performed genre things over the years a lot of doctor who actors have said like 
yep, sometimes the sets were cardboard and the monsters didn't work that week and the lighting was terrible. And I just had to believe it so hard that everybody watching did. Hmm. And so you can have the fun <laughs> of the fantasy and still feel like this is real and I can connect with these characters. And I felt like Hera in particular really had that challenge. Here's an actor we know. Here's Mary Elizabeth Winstead, mm-hmm. where if you sensed even a flicker of doubt or shame <laughs> in her eyes, even a mm-hmm. second of mm-hmm. I'm painted green and crap's hanging from my head. If you sensed mm-hmm. even a second of that, the illusion breaks. Right. Mm-hmm. And she did mm-hmm. such a great phenomenal job of like, no, I'm, I'm a mother. I'm a, I'm a warrior. I'm a pilot. Like I am all these things and I need this so bad. She just played the hell out of the character. And that lets us have more bonkers fantasy because she supported it and believed it so much. Mm-hmm. That's right. a great point too, but just kind of the Soka series overall taking all these Sabine and, and Ezra, as you pointed out, uh, Jen, like t- yeah, they they believed right, and and that's yeah. that's an important thing. I I did a, I laughed when you said the the, the, the Doctor Who stuff because I, I I don't have any skin in the game, but the 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 whole Madam Web promotion tour <laughs> where like Dakota Johnson's and monologues going ah. Green screen is weird. I don't know if you'll like it. Like it's just, it's just been this weird energy versus what you're talking about is, yeah, it was cardboard, but we believed. <laughs> yeah. No. And it's, it, it takes a, a great committed actor. <laughs> Madam Webb, man, I saw the trailer for that like three times this weekend. And yeah, I got to, that one's fascinating. Um, I th- <laughs> it shall be remembered. I think it shall be remembered. Oh, it might be one of those weird irony hits. It might be like the cats of uh, spider movies where oh, people God. are like, this yeah. is so weird. I got to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me, uh, I think Sabine is really up there. Uh, mm-hmm. Sabine feels like an adaptation of the character. And I, mm-hmm. and I really love Sabine. She's one of my favorite parts of Ahsoka. But honestly, I feel like my honest answer is Ezra. I think it is a flawless transition because yeah. in his soul, it is both exactly the character from animation. His delivery is not an imitation but it has his cadence. It has his sense of humor. It has his sense of fun. It has his sense of daring. So it's such a direct, perfect adaptation from the animation. But also all of these characters, Ahsoka, Sabine, Hera, to different extents, Cad Bane, uh, face the challenge of, but it's not a one-to-one adaptation of them from the time you knew them in the animation. It's also this character exactly as you know them in an entirely different time in their life. Mm-hmm. I feel like Ezra's, they entirely nailed that. This is the kid I remember who's now an adult who's been through weird hell that we don't even know. So he seemed exactly the Ezra I knew, but also the Ezra who's experienced everything he has. Mm-hmm. The Ezra who should be. The yeah. Ezra who should be. It's yeah. a really challenging performance because it could come across like he's really like winking at the camera or trying right, to be right, funny right. or trying to be kind of plucky and positive in like a very Disney kind of way. And it comes from such an organic place that I just was like, that is Ezra. Every time I was just, I couldn't believe it. I yeah. could not believe it. It's such Great, great casting and a great performance. Yeah, just great. And and I think, uh, you know, Rosario Dawson has had a big challenge of a lot of what we relate to in the character is youth, plucky, optimism, mm-hmm. can-do attitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's not only translating the character to live action, but, you know, yeah. middle-aged, bitter, disappointed, disconnected. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. It's a, it's a, it was a big challenge. I think she, uh, she did well. So, okay, right. We've all discussed lots of ones we like. Um, so, uh, uh, 
coming around for a summary of final answers. For me, at the end of the day, it, it is Ezra. Uh, but Ken, what's your final answer? I mean, I'll, I'll stick with the stick with the big picture, but the the Ezra of it all is is you're you're both right. Uh, and because of what was going on in that show, with the choices of the characters and, and that was intentional in the storytelling, Sabine a little down and out, Hera frustrated, uh, so could do what you. And then Ezra shows up, and I was like, "That's my guy! <laughs> like that's I needed that burst of energy. <laughs> yeah. I needed yeah. that burst of energy uh, in my own life, not just the series. So I, I love that. But I think overall, stick with Ahsoka. I mean, I, look, Chopper is perfect perfection i think maybe we all it's chopper. yeah i'll, I'll chopper yeah and uh jen you sticking with boba fett is your primary answer no i never come around uh <laughs> i'd say the whole ahsoka show is really yeah. incredible what they did making the uh the leap from animation to live action and i can't wait to see what they do next i think they're going to push it even more mm-hmm. weirder i'm ready for it but yep. yeah yep here comes hondo again hondo <laughs> <laughs> watch who Yang, man? Who Yang, man? Who Yang? Yes. Who Yang oh my great, God. You're yeah. right. Who Yang is flawless too. You're right. Yeah. You, I, I am, I am yeah, ashamed flawless. as a, as a Who Yang fan that I uh, did not uh, <laughs> <No> <laughs> bring him into the no conversation, shit. but he's perfect. He's perfect. You yeah. Know? yeah. Having David Tennant there, uh, you know, helps a lot. And yeah. Anyway, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, he extremely well realized. I, I love him and it's rock'em sock'em robot fight that mm-hmm. he has. All right. Uh, any other thoughts before we take a quick break? Uh, no, I can't. I can't wait to the, the next series of uh, animation, the live action challenges and questions we got. Hondo, indeed. Uh, Mieber guest gone soon. Uh, <laughs> uh, Asajj Ventures, obviously, people have their, yeah. their fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. If you're listening on audio, we're going to take a quick break. If you're watching on video, we're going to f- uh, freeze briefly and be right back. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we're back. Uh, we love that question from Ben Chug. Got us thinking and talking about Ahsoka and all the great adaptations across the Star Wars live action uh, shows. But now we're going to take a question from David Litchfield. David says, hello there. A longtime listener, first time cure. Uh, mm-hmm. Please allow me to share my train of thought for context. I promise there's a question at the end. In your episode covering Dave Filoni's new role, you discussed his perspective of the Master and Apprentice lineage is a literal uh, contiguous connectivity. It made me immediately think of the parallels in other pop culture. Take Doctor Who and the connectivity from one doctor to the next and how the relationship is uh, somewhat reversed with each incarnation learning lessons from their companions. Another probably closer parallel is Avatar The Last Airbender, where all previous avatars live within and inform the current avatar. Dave was famously a part of that classic show, and he is clearly connected to that storytelling lineage. Now a real-world parallel is just this. There's a master-apprentice con- continuity in storytelling, either directly, as in mm-hmm. Lucas to Filoni, or indirectly, like Lucas to Johnson, Abrams, or Favreau. All this made me think about the forthcoming Avatar The Last Airbender live-action uh, recreation. I struggle with this sort of remake storytelling and I think it's because it is like a break in the connectivity in storytelling lineage. The Last Airbender led to Legend of Korra, and it was amazing to retell an already existing and outstanding story rather than continuing to tell new stories within a world, to me, feels unnecessary and a missed opportunity to make something new and great. It stalls the connected progression of storytelling. Finally, the question. What are your thoughts on retelling, remaking versus continuing stories? P.S. I'm 100% in support of Who Center and even whooped aloud when Joseph mentioned uh, that his favorite modern doctor is the same as mine. Two hearts for Capaldi. Uh, Thank you uh, for all these uh, great thoughts and great questions. There's a lot to talk about in terms of that sort of a a lineage of master and apprentice in storytelling, the way that's handled in various genre shows, but also your great central question about the value of retelling and remaking versus continuing stories ken where do you start with this where does your mind go uh first i have to admit you started the show with a burp i i just got like hiccups and couldn't <laughs> mute in time so <laughs> oh, no. we'll, we'll see we'll see how this goes uh, deep breaths here we go uh, i am also interested in the continuing of stories over remaking and retelling it's it's a big a bigger conversation i don't have a problem with retelling or remaking but i just simply and it, it's not a business decision it's not a sequels remo- reboots and remakes malaise uh, i think that does exist and we should analyze that and discuss it but in this 
particular instance, uh, it's kind of what uh, he's he's talking about here. What David's talking about this. I just love the building out and the continuation of of of, of the story and the world and mm-hmm. and I live in it. I, I I talked recently how I watch a lot of these shows and 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 we discuss the big themes here in Force Center. That kind of leads how I, how I engage with shows now. But I always just see this as living history document. So so if you take me off of that, I sometimes. Um, you know, get a little frustrated or just lose interest. Uh, you know, I, comic books have their own kind of approach and their own kind of world. And this isn't, uh, but as a casual comic book fan turned casual comic book movie fan, when I realized that, oh, uh, you know, I totally get why Nolan's Batman isn't going to carry on. But when I realized it wasn't, I, I don't know, I'm going to stick over here, right? And I don't even say that's right, but it's just that reaction. Like, oh, but I want to see what happens with that guy. Uh, versus what happens with a, a retelling or a restoring. And that's just my natural reaction to all that stuff there. Again, it's not always possible. Um, and sometimes there's realities to it. Like I would love to see a Hitchhiker's movie, but I don't think I'm, I'm probably in a small camp of people who want to continue with the, the Martin Freeman, uh, Mostef, uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, Zoe Deschanel <laughs> cast. I love that movie. And I wanted Restaurant at the End of the Universe. It, 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 it flopped. It didn't do well. And, it, and, it, and plus passing Douglas Adams um, made that a little more difficult. But I, I would love to have that, that retold. So that's a different kind of set. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, there is that sort of like a, a seminal story that, that some people love adaptations of. But there isn't a general consensus that people like, you know, hey, if you're a Pride and Prejudice fan, I, I'm on Jane Austen this week. There are a lot of great adaptations and people squabble over which one's the best, you know, and Hitchhikers, I think, you know, is one where people, uh, some people love them, but other people are waiting for that perfect one, which I think maybe relates to to Avatar. Uh, you know, I have not watched Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm aware that there was a movie version, right, that I think was pretty uh, generally disliked is my understanding. So yeah, Avatar right, is yeah. almost to me in the Hitchhikers guide of like guide camp of like, trying to find one <laughs> where the majority of the fans can be happy with this uh, adaptation. Jennifer, yeah. where do you start with this? Okay, I'm going to go in a totally different place. Go for it. I think that it can it can work to retell something. And I go to My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. That show is so great. And I used to watch the OG My Little Pony back in the 80s. This Friendship is Magic is fantastic, right? But then you have the new My Little Pony series and it loses its magic. So that's like the third iteration, right? So I think you have to be careful <laughs> with the retelling. You can only do it so many times. Otherwise, it might lose its uh, luster. Uh, okay, here's another thing. Origin stories. I don't. I never saw the Willy Wonka movie. I don't want to see the new Willy Wonka movie because you already made a perfect Willy Wonka movie with June Wilder. I think Mm. Timothy Chalamet was not great casting, great actor, not right for this role. So I don't know. I, 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 I really, I bristle with, with retelling with, I would much prefer a sequel origin story is kind of tricky. I don't know. I just want new stories. Just give me new stories. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think there's a hunger for the new, which we should definitely mm-hmm. talk about. Um, for some of the examples that um, that that David's talking about, I mean, for Avatar, I, I get the frustration of like I know again I haven't watched it, but I know people love Legend of Korra as a sequel that that people seem to really love, and I don't know how that story ended. I doesn't know that world. I can understand like could we yeah. keep that story going? But you know, again that. Live action, if it's done well, might bring the story to more people, increase 
you know, interest in discovery of the original animated version. So sometimes I'm like, yeah, good adaptation. We'll maybe just make people more people aware of the original thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you guys are both pointing out, you know, remakes, retellings, adaptations that worked for you or didn't work for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've mentioned this before. I, I think about this quote from a comic book writer. His name is Marv Wolfman. He wrote incredibly seminal, important stuff in the 80s, the New Teen Titans, which was the comic book that that hooked me and forever defined my fandom. He wrote Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is, is still responsible for a lot of the multiverse storytelling that we're getting today is because what if Marv Wolfman wrote. Uh, Marv uh, uh, did a panel at the convention I go to in Minneapolis in Convergence where he was telling this story. He was like, I love comic books when I was a kid, but I'd read my Green Lantern comic books and I'd be like, I don't like that. Green Lantern should do this. So I wanted to become an, an, a writer so I could write Green Lantern the way I thought he should go. It's like, and now I've got all these writers coming up to me, like asking my permission, like I'm the godfather. <laughs> do you like what I'm doing with the Teen Titans now? Do you like what I've done? And for me, it's like, don't you want to be writers to do it the way you want to do it? And that really stuck with me because I think that to me is the heart of it, of remakes, retellings that have worked are because somebody wanted, they loved something about the original and wanted mm-hmm. to put something of themselves in it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I can't, you know, quote uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, but it <laughs> felt like here's some of the core ideas and now, a different perspective. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing often gets listed in this of like, there he had a different perspective. The 2000s Battlestar Galactica wasn't like a suit going, you know what we need to bring back? Mm. That was, there's a core idea in here mm-hmm. that's a really fascinating, great sci-fi setup where we can explore yeah. all these things. We're not afraid to change anything. So I, I, I like retellings and remakings when somebody has that Marv Wolfman spirit of like, I love this, but I want to put my stamp on it or do something different with it. Hmm. I I really agree that that take. I mean, you bring up Battlestar, and, and I brought it up earlier too. I, I I love that version. I also grew up watching you know, the, the the first one, uh, which is interesting. You know, Team Lauren Green to the end, I guess. Um, and that's a great example of not just a retelling, but updating, right? Just mm-hmm. uh, it, My Little Pony is a great example. Of that. Kevin Smith's He-Man is is, is a trend to do mm-hmm. that. I, uh, I like a lot of what was going on in there. Uh, I didn't finish the series, but uh, yeah, that kind of like, yeah, we're going to, we're not just going to simply reboot it. We're going to, we're going to update it for the times, for us, for our vision. I like that. I do like that. I think that's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, is it, is it coming from an artist driven place where like, no one would think this is a moneymaker, but I want to do it versus I, I, I do. And I know this from experience being in, in, in pitch meetings where we have been in an era, maybe we're coming out of it where IP sells and it isn't an artist driven thing. Right. I right. have, I have had an opportunity a couple of times for companies saying we want to make a television show or movie of everything we own, whether people want it or not. So go down the list. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want it? Which is, that's different than an artist going like, I loved this weird, obscure thing. And it's deeply passionately what I want to do, you know, Mm, and I have no idea with, is this avatar Netflix series like a, Hey, it's an incredibly popular animated series. I'm sure, I'm sure the artists working on it are trying their best to make something beautiful and, and, you know, great. But, you know, for me, it does make a little bit of difference of, is it corporate driven or is it an artist passion project? Exactly. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, that's, yes. that's a good example too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, so th- that's kind of how I wrestle with some of the retelling and remaking. 
but I also think that a continuing story has great value. Obviously, you know, we talk about Star Wars. That's a continuing story. Uh, David mentions uh, Doctor Who. There are two different times where Doctor Who could have, and I bet had pressure to be just like, just hit the restart button. Mm. <laughs> Nobody's watching these, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, you know, shows mm. that were made. The classic Doctor Who made an entirely different time with an entirely different perspective and budget and literal storytelling structure. We, 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 let's just start new. And both times, the 1996 television movie and the, the new series that started in 2005, there was a, a desire to stay connected to everything that's come before. Doctor Who's kind of special because it's a time travel show. So if there's a little break in continuity, you're going to be like, well, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, the doctor kind of messed with time. Like it doesn't worry too much. It, it, it mm. Doctor Who kind of plays fast and loose. And there's some fans who really don't like that. But for me, the value of that has been, um, the, the like we talked about with Star Wars, the emotional continuity to go, the 13th Doctor, who's going through this now, remembers what I do when this happened to the second Doctor. And I remember mm. the first time the Doctor made that decision. And now all these years later, here's the 13th Doctor in a completely different life, kind of questioning that. And it, and it goes to what David was talking about with the sort of the, the lineage and the value mm. of this sense that, um, maybe our story, maybe we want our stories to be like us where like it or not, we are all connected to what has come before in mm. terms of our own mm. family of origin, in terms of the cultural baggage that we grew up with a sense of lineage and connection is unavoidable in real life. So maybe it's nice to see that mirrored in our storytelling. Ken, how do you feel about that idea of like yeah. wanting to feel that rhythm of I have walked that this path and, and, the characters I'm sharing a story with are walking it too. Yeah. And I like the idea. It's like the show grows with you. The characters grow with you and you grow up with it beyond even just growing up, I guess you you can always grow up. So yeah, no, I I like it a lot. That's kind of what I'm drawn to. Uh, It's not just the simple facts uh, of this happened on that planet and this thing. It's just that, Mm -hmm. no, this is, this is an ongoing and and these characters are dealing with the changing world uh, the changing times or their own histories or the history, the, just like we are. Uh, I, I love that. And again, I, it's not always possible, right? I, I, I like Rings of Power, the series, the anim, Amazon uh, Prime series. Uh, it legally cannot <laughs> connect with other things. So it has these strokes, these kind of broad strokes and things. And and uh, I, I thought it, it, it was great because it did speak to the other properties that, and the source material. Uh, of the books, it it spoke to it. It it was communicating with it via the themes. So uh, I'll always again edge towards that. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that there is this sense, especially from the big studios, this kind of corporate idea of like, well, what was in the done in the past is not good. Like let's make let's make it now. Mm. Let's make it with more budget, special effects, mm. a hot young mm. actor, blah blah blah. It's like not understanding that it's those old things in our past vintage things have value. Like Mm. I don't, as much as I really wanted the new fraggle, the new fraggle show to to work, I would have preferred they just kind of remaster the old fraggles. What Mm. what was wrong with the old fraggles? Right. I, (laughs) um, I I don't know. (laughs) And I just think about like vintage, vintage items, like in terms of clothing and like fast fashion nowadays, it just feels like everything's fast, fast, fast. Let's get the latest, you know, influencer and we'll put them in this new movie of she's all that. And it's a remake and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but why, 
Why? Let's yeah. tell something new, right? The only time where I think it works is when you have an adaptation of Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet, right? And that's because, or like Emma or, or Bride and Prejudice or Macbeth, because mm. it's now the director or the actor or whatever, their point of view. Mm-hmm. And that I think is what we've been talking about. Mm. Why are you that's doing this? What is the point of this story? Why? Yeah. And um, I, I'm going to throw out a correction here uh, because of the canon of uh of force center itself i i sometimes do this where i pull the new question and i leave the name of the question asker from the week previous so we were sitting here having this conversation and uh uh david litchfield has asked questions before so i was like wait i have the wrong name the person who asked this question is brian thomas i apologize for saying the the wrong name <laughs> you <know> live <laughs> live like, were you were you wondering, Ken? Because like Look, David's it, asked questions before. What are you talking it's about? It's just how much I trust you, Joseph. Where <laughs> I I read that and I did at that moment. I was like, well, but I know I've said David's name before. Well, all right. I guess maybe you just tweeted. <laughs> I was thinking about this this morning. It's like I wish I wish Ken and Jennifer didn't have so much faith in me because I make mistakes. They can, they can check my work. <laughs> uh, David, good questions in the past. And Brian, you said Brian, great question. Brian Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, sincere yeah, apologies to Brian Thomas. This is such a great question. Uh, and we're not done talking about it, but I wanted to correct myself live on air. There uh, you go. Thank you, Brian Thomas, for the question. And thank you, David, for the questions in the past. It, it, Jennifer, I, th- I, may, I think you make such a great uh, point, too, of like, uh, like if 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 somebody announced they were remaking Casablanca, I my immediate reaction would be why, right? But then there are stories that do um, they sort of transcend their time and they become stories of our culture that we tell and retell, yes. and the power mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. is in the retelling, right? I don't think I don't think uh, a lot of Jane Austen fans would be upset about yet another Pride and Prejudice because be like. How are they going to tackle Mr. Darcy in this one? Is this scene included? Right. You know, is it set in that time period? But it, but you know, uh, you know, they're great shows like I enjoy Bridgerton. That's like it's set in a pastime, but it's also like they're, you know, they're practically using phrases like FOMO. It doesn't go that far, but it is like <laughs> old and modern at the same. Like, mm-hmm. and nobody, what would you know? I, that's fascinating to me of how a story becomes a this is in our canon to retell right. and could something like Casablanca that I admit I would have a total why mm-hmm. but a hundred years mm-hmm. from now, could Casablanca be a story like, yeah, we just retell it once every 10, 15 years to mm. get a different take. Huh. I, I, yeah. I, I think uh, this question's just, it's going and maybe beyond what Brian intended of just like, it's an interesting discussion on the industry and what is and what isn't. And you just like Jen's points, uh, your point, Jen of, of, you know, you know when it's a cash grab, or you know where it's someone with the suit going. Wait, what's on this sheet of paper? Oh, we own GoBots. We <laughs> made a GoBot movie. <laughs> Go make one. Um, and I think they should hire Joseph to write the GoBots movie. Um, they wouldn't let me pitch on GoBots. Uh, I was somebody else had already pitched GoBots, so I I read wow. that. Yeah, I, I wanted to. Me and my friend Jack uh, wanted to reboot Mask. And, and we, mm. in about 2011, we were working with someone and it, like someone was like, oh no, there's someone else. Someone got here the day before. Um, oh it's gosh. frustrating. Um, but like, yeah, Jen, I love also the point of it. And Joseph, you, you, you tag on it here of, of, you know it when you see it, you know, when it's bad, you know, when it's uh, maybe a, a misuse of a, an existing world or it just doesn't, why, why, why mm-hmm. do that conte- connect it to what's there? Um but uh, you know, I you know, Star is Born. It's, that, that's been told three mm. times successfully right. 
each time for for the times it's in. I agree. With you. I don't want a Casablanca remake, but it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities, uh, and wouldn't. I think it'd be successful versus like the a remake of of Back to the Future. <gasps> Right, mm. maybe, but right. maybe fifty years from now, we do re- back the future is remade, and it's re- you know it's it, it's a lie. But I I don't want any of these things. But to your point, <laughs> you know, I, I look what you know. One of my biggest, uh, I, I'm a giant fan of the movie Last Mohicans. Michael Mann, Madeline Stowe, Daniel uh, Day Lewis, Jody May, and and uh, like that was a remake, <laughs> based mm. on a book, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's okay if, if we update it, and you just you kind of see it, you kind of know it when you know when it's good or bad or otherwise. There's a Back to the Future musical, so maybe it'll be Back to the Future the musical that they don't advertise as a musical, like they did with Mean Girls, where they don't. Oh yeah. For some reason, right. try to hide from the audience that it's a musical. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Back to the Future musical. I heard. Yeah. It was, I heard it was playing in Colorado. Uh, like, yeah. Casablanca mm-hmm. is about our. It, you know, it's a very Han Solo story, which mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's the mm-hmm. other way around. That Lucas mm-hmm. was probably like, yeah, it's a Humphrey Bogart type story of is he gonna get involved or not mm-hmm. with you know uh, Nazis? We got some Nazis mm-hmm. problems now, so you could see that being a really relevant question. Yeah. Can you can you hide out from the problem or do you get involved? You know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So what you're saying is time. We need like older films, <laughs> right? It's, Where people don't have that nostalgia tied to it. Really. Yeah. yeah it, it's it's a it's a fascinating conversation because we we all probably have a list of those movies where we'd go, no. Yeah. And then other ones right. we'd go, okay. Like it it, it it's uh, yeah, it's tough for me to to even give a full answer. But yeah, I know what you mean. I, I think you are touching on something really important too, Jennifer, of like there is sometimes a feeling when it is more corporate, it's like the mm-hmm. old things are icky of nobody's gonna yeah. watch that. It's yeah. in black and white, so let's just remake it again. Right. Because there's mm-hmm. something bad about the old one. And I think right. that's what I like really about like the continuity of Doctor Who of like there are people who are just new series fans. There are people who just jumped on with the thirteenth Doctor. And if they want, because that continuity is there, they can go like, ah, oh, go try out that that classic Doctor Who. It elevates classic Doctor Who as a different part of this that you can go check out if you want. Mm. You don't need to. And, and so there's less of that like, Ugh, we need to erase that old bad yeah. one, right. <laughs> that old right. sad one mm-hmm. and make a good one, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. which right. I, I don't like. Um I love it, and I just want to be. I, 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 no one in the comments don't or don't tweet us. I'm not advocating to for a remake of Casablanca, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say if it happened, you might be surprised. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. should it be an ongoing story, Casablanca Two? I think that would be uh, even more. Oh my gosh. <laughs> See now you're making me disagree with my own statement up top. Like, oh no, I don't, definitely don't want Casablanca. What too. if it's set in modern times and uh, uh, Rick's uh, place is being turned into condos? And- See, there, okay, now you got me back in. You got me back in. I think I, I think I want a Casablanca remake more than I'd want Casablanca too. So my own point at the top of the question is, <laughs> it's really difficult. I think the other uh, one of the other facets that I wanted to talk about is the the continuing stories. Right now, we have this conversation that I know people have extremely strong feelings about. Uh, but the homework label, whether it's true or not, whether you mm-hmm. feel it or not, mm-hmm. or whether you feel like it's, as people in our comments have said, uh, some people feel like the homework label to MCU is something who people who don't actually watch MCU feel is true. Mm-hmm, and if you're mm-hmm. actually caught up with it, it's, you know, it didn't, I watched them when it came out. What? It's not, yeah, or you don't have to, you, you can figure it out in context. Um, 
but mm-hmm. there is that talking point, whether it's true or not, whether it's valid or not, the talking point exists mm-hmm. that a fear of an ongoing story right now is homework, is how much do you have to know to enjoy it? And I think for myself is as long as I can hook into the, what's going on with the characters emotionally, it, it, I, I'm fine jumping into an ongoing story. Uh, yeah. I, I think comic books back in the day were almost always some level of ongoing story. And you just, it's a totally different world now, but, but you know, yeah, yeah. they weren't just at comic book stores. It wasn't just collected editions at, at Barnes and Noble. It was Seven Eleven, and that cover looks amazing. And you, it's the middle of a Spider-Man arc. It's part three of a four issue arc. And there's little editor's notes and, you know, people yeah, uh, yeah. our age absolutely got hooked by a dense soap opera with superpowers. Mm-hmm. And they found their way through it. And I think the way they found their way through it is because we didn't have a culture of shame. Mm-hmm. You you asked somebody, if you didn't know what was going on with Spider-Man, somebody's older sister did. And they would mm-hmm. tell you, mm-hmm. you know, right. and right. you would just jump in and you'd get some back issues. or You'd go to the library right. and check them, check them out if you could. And there wasn't this sort of um, the Internet driven do you need to, do I need to go see a movie and then, you know, sit in the corner shamefully looking up what I just saw on, in an explainer video, you know, <laughs> I need, I need that ending explained. <laughs> oh my gosh. Who's that guy who had the, the, the weird thing on his face at the end of oh. Avengers in 2012? Oh. Why, yeah. why does he want to court death? What does that mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we, we've got ourselves sort of tied into knots about the know-it-allness of it, which we've discussed mm-hmm. many times. Yeah. But I just yeah, think we need to move kind of past that culture of shame because obviously as a culture, we've been able to jump in. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and, and just jump yeah. into the middle of the story. And if it's a fun thing where other people are like, oh, do you want to know? I'll help you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what's interesting it is going about for our, our Star Wars, Grogu. Mm-hmm. There is no shame around knowing his his story, what's happening with him in, on Disney+. Plus. When I go to my kids' elementary school, I see Grogu everywhere. Lunch bags. Uh, we found one in the trash. <laughs> Story for another day. Story for another time. (laughs) T-shirts, water bottles, and there's no like, oh, are you a Star Wars fan? It's just, who doesn't like Grogu? It's so fascinating. It's also why it's so smart that they're now going to have this movie with him, obviously, in theaters, right? But it's just like, there's no shame. Mm -hmm. If you like Grogu, how could you not? Of course you like Grogu. Mm -hmm. Of course you want a T-shirt with his face on it, right? It's, yeah. it's so fascinating to me that they were able to get beyond the one thing that's kind of plagued Marvel and Star Wars for a while is like, oh yeah, you're a Star Wars fan? I'm going to quiz you, mm-hmm. right? But with Grogu, there is none of that happening, at least on the playground. And yeah, elementary that's schools. great. And, and that's I think good. that was the power of that first season of Mandalorian too. Like it brought in so many people who were either Star Wars totally new or, or extremely Star Wars light. I've had so many conversations with people like, I really enjoyed that Mandalorian show. Now, um, is he actually Baby Yoda or is that just something right. like I've talked to people who right. thought he's like, that's that guy from Empire Strikes Back real young. Cool. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. it didn't stop them from enjoying the show. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think the, the what we've had to deal with the last 10 years and I say deal, it's been a lot of fun and I've been part of that stuff, too. And I love a good Easter egg and I love knowing stuff. It, it's all bad. But yeah, it, it emerged from the, that, that dark era where I think the. The kids from the 80s playgrounds who had the knowledge now started to hoard it. But also, I love what you're saying, Joseph, too, about that that era. Uh, like G.I. Joe comics. 
I, I didn't start collecting from issue one on. And I started getting back issues from like my neighbor across the street. And I had like issue two, five, six, seven, eight, eleven, thirteen, sixteen. And I and I mean I mean I'm I'm not lying. I remember those numbers almost. Oh I'm sure gosh. I'm missing some of them, but like and I just had to accept, look at the editor's note, or hope Billy told me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. right, right. why are they in Sierra Gordo? What is how did they get there? They were underground in Springfield last week. Like what yeah. happened? And, and, you know, I think the spirit of some of the explainer videos, I mean, our, our friend, Alex, friends, Alex Amali, as Star Wars Explained, the spirit of that is, it's a lot. Let me help you out. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it is the modern version of, of Billy on the playground. But I think there's, there's obviously is some gatekeeping. Yeah. And I just think there feels like, uh, it, it seems like something that people are, are sometimes imposing on themselves, too, of like, can yes. I watch a Marvel movie and go, I totally understood yes. what happened with the main character. I was mm-hmm. moved by it. I was engaged by it. I, I, I don't know who that weirdo was that popped up at the end. Are, are we able to just go, I engaged with the story. I understood what the characters felt. And who cares whether I recognize that guy painted gold? Right. You know? Yeah. Right. I, I, I think mm-hmm. you're right. Where it, it, it it's, you, the that's what, I, and, I, and I, sometimes, you, again, you know it when you know it. You know when maybe there's too much homework or, or, or not. But I think for the most part, it, it uh, you know, the stories are what the stories are, and, and you got to push past what you feel you don't know, as if that mm-hmm. really changes things. Uh, I, again, I'm a casual Marvel fan, so I'll check in on the MCU every other movie or two movies, or oh, I like Blackwood, I'm gonna watch that movie. Uh, and and I have to play cat, and it just they do a good job of filling in the blanks. You you mm-hmm. don't feel completely, completely lost, yeah. And mm-hmm. I think we th- I, feel we do, yeah. I feel like for me, what happened with the MCU is. The uh, the initial phases all the way up to Infinity War, um, people were emotionally invested because the movies were paced at a time that they could get to know Captain America. They could get to know Black Widow and they were emotionally invested. Right. And it isn't so much in, in the phases afterwards that you need knowledge. It's that the emotional investment isn't there. Because we had one movie with Shang-Chi and it was, we haven't had a follow-up in, in a while and we're not emotionally connected yeah. anymore and to mm-hmm. try to get emotionally connected is harder work than it than it was the the first time i think with i think that's a yeah i think that's a fair point too mm-hmm. yeah good yeah. points uh, all around uh, so many good points <laughs> uh, last thing i want to discuss briefly here uh, coming out of brian's uh question jennifer you brought up just like a hunger for the new and obviously mm-hmm. we're not we have a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> we love continuing stories. I'm still uh, I'm still all in for MCU and Doctor Who. I love things that continue. Um, and, and I love some remakes that we were talking about. But I do feel a hunger for the new in addition uh, to balance everything. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it goes to what we've been talking about of, of sometimes feeling for ourselves the difference between uh, some suit somewhere was convinced GoBots would make money. So this mm. it, it exists and it's kind of soulless versus somebody who's like i have eight gobot t- tattoos here's mm. my new vision you know i can make it come to life the difference mm. between those is just passion and i think mm-hmm. when i say a, a hunger for the new it's not like cancel star wars mcu right, everything right, should right. be new it's about I, I want that sort of passion that comes with a new idea be it a remake yeah. or a really fresh take on star wars or a fresh take on the doctor um I, I just want to really feel passion. And I think there's, um, I feel that in a lot of Star Wars, but a lot of people we talk to don't. They they perceive it as all corporate product and mm-hmm. don't feel the passion. I do. Uh, but I think that's where I'm coming from with new is I just, I want to feel yeah. 
passion and and a part of that means having some balance and having some new things too. Jennifer, what when you say you want new, what what are you thinking or feeling? That's exactly it. It's why I'm so excited for Leslie Headland's uh, Acolyte because mm. it it is new. I think of Star Wars like uh, like a framework like Shakespeare <laughs> mm. <laughs> because you have this existing these existing kind of saga, right? We we kind of like you talk about the guard the guardrails of what we know will happen in Star Wars, the themes that they deal with. Okay, now creator, bring your own take. How are mm-hmm. you going to, what stories are you going to tell? The master and the apprentice stories. How can you reimagine that? And that to me gets excited because it's a little familiar. It's obviously a lot of nostalgia for me, but it's in a whole new way. And that gets me really excited. It's why I love Star Wars. I continue, and I'm continuing to always be delighted by Star Wars, surprised by Star Wars because they, they keep adding all these new creators that I, I'm, you know, fascinated with. Mm. So. Ah, I just love Star Wars so much. Now, if if my other beloved properties could catch up, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> my Little Jen? Ponies? My Little Ponies. <laughs> catch, you know? My Little Ponies and Gem and the Holograms. Ooh. Yeah. Ah, yes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and when you, are you hungering for the new? Are you feeling too many remakes, reboots, too many stories? Even if you like Star Wars and Marvel, a lot of stories told in the same galaxy, are you, are you wanting new? I would struggle with that. I think you kind of touched upon it. I think I get defensive when I, I hear someone, Jen, no, uh, when I hear anyone just say, because I, I, I just got into a text, arg- when I say argument, it was, it was a fun, spirited text debate with a friend uh, of mine who lives now out of state. I used to work with him and he's just like, he's always going to take the time to text me to tell me that the prequel sucked and that the Kenobi series was a cash grab and that there was no passion in any of like he he's and I'm, I'm always gotta I fight to refute it and I so I think I I I, I associate that with I want new stuff like I don't I don't want to be on a planet I've never heard of you know I don't mm. but then when I get to Peridia I'm like oh okay yeah this 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 feels nice this feels Star Wars this this can happen and and Acolyte is a great example of I think it I think it's going to surprise a lot of people because it is brand new and you're gonna you're gonna develop passion for these characters uh, and it's gonna be fun but it's gonna feel so Star Wars and it's that delicate balance again you see it when you see it you know it you know it um, I think I used to be nope just if it's Empires versus Rebels that's what I want to kind of explore because I think there's a lot to explore there by the way I still kind of think that but now cool High Republic did work on me to go oh this is another era got it. Jedi in a different, you know, different, uh, you know, state. Uh, I love this. Uh, okay, let's do it, and and I'm ready for that kind of stuff more than I was in the past. Yeah, I think I'm hungry for new, even in the things I love. I'm hungry for new ideas in Doctor Who. I'm hungry for new ideas in in Star Wars. Uh, you know, I had ups and downs with the Ahsoka, loving much of it, but I just it opened up to me so much when we went to Pridia, and it's literally like exploring new places, new ideas, all that kind mm. of thing. And I don't want Star Wars or Doctor Who to go anywhere, but I do want the industry to open up, to relax on its fear that IP is the only thing that works so that there's room for new Star Wars and new Doctor Who to be born. So many conversations become the either or of like, Mm -hmm. like the Kylo Ren argument of like, burn it all. Right. (laughs) No more Star Wars, no more Doctor Who, no more Marvel, no, no more nothing. No more Mm -hmm. My Little Pony, all new. Um, (laughs) And I am much more like the past has value, but got to make room for the future too so i want to balance balance yeah all right great question brian uh left us yes. reeling back and forth between 
<laughs> a lot. My Little I Pony and Casablanca 2. That's where you took us on this question. Amazing. <laughs> Uh, Ken, do you want to take us home? I do. You can follow me and all my thoughts on Casablanca on uh, Casablanca Pod. Uh, coming soon. No, Twitter Casa and talk. Yeah. Casa Talk. Um, Twitter and Threads is Force Center Pod. We're on Facebook as well as Force Center Podcast. We're on uh, Instagram as well. And uh, you can find us on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Just search. You'll find us. Uh, merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center as we set up top. Follow me at Cadnapsock. Go to my website, cadnapsock.com for, .com for, for all the things I do. Uh, announcing soon, uh, hopefully, uh, as my pop rock and radio show, which is still on Mixcloud as it uh, goes into a syndicated form uh, in uh, a couple radio stations have, have uh, picked it up. So I'll, I'll update you all on that exciting news. Uh, Jen, where can they find you? That is exciting. Uh, you can find my video essay on Barbie and the Rockers and Gem and the Holograms, mm. which will be out soon on, uh, where am I? TikTok at Jennifer Landa 1138, YouTube and Instagram at Jennifer Landa. Love that. Just a great job today with those questions. Uh, and uh, David, thank you again for your questions in the past. Joseph, I fully trust you. Take us home. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I give myself a B minus for this episode because <laughs> I got the names wrong. And it's like the second time I've done that in the last couple of weeks. Uh, again, my apologies, Brian. You know, we're uh, moving fast. And David. Yeah, we're moving mm -hmm. fast. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll work on forgiving myself. I'm going to go live on an island for a little <laughs> while. <laughs> and, uh, doubt myself but that'll be back next week mm -hmm. in the meantime uh, you can find me on all the social media at Joseph Scrimshaw and if you want to check out the newsletter blog a weekly uh, adventures into the creative process you can check that out it's called Finish Your Monsters and you can find it by just googling Joseph Scrimshaw Finish Your Monsters or you can go directly to buttondown.email slash finish your monsters that is it we have aid the cues of everything Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.